pray and let's just uh, get started here. Uh, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for, man, just all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. And you said, Lord, as we acknowledge those things, that our faith becomes effectual. And so, Lord, we just put our mind on the Christ in us right now. We just connect with the Jesus that lives in us. We thank you that we are one with you, Jesus, that that your crucifixion was our crucifixion, and your burial was our burial, and your resurrection is our resurrection, and your ascension is our ascension, and that when you sat down at the right hand of the Father, that we sat down in Christ in the heavenly places, and so we just completely identify with you right now. And Lord, I thank you that you're making that reality more real than any other thing in our lives. It's so easy to forget. It's easy to forget and live separate from you. But I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is always reminding us and leading us and guiding us into all truth. And so, Lord, I just yield. I yield the agenda for tonight. Uh, just yield that to you. And we just say, think through my mind and speak through my words and have your way tonight. We thank you that signs and wonders confirm the word. They follow the word, Lord. And we just just agree with everything that you have for every person that's coming tonight, that's going to be listening to this on uh, the recording after, Lord. We just we thank you that um, you're doing something in all of our lives right now. We, each of us is in the midst of a move of God. And so, Lord, we just we just get into agreement with what you're doing. We may not know it even intellectually or mentally, Lord, but we can just agree because you're good. And we say, have your way. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in every area of our, of our lives, Lord. And, and where there's places of unbelief, Lord, places that we just have not been in agreement with your, the way you think. Well, we're just like a, we just say, help our unbelief, Lord. Just bring us into greater revelation of, of the kingdom and heaven on earth. And uh, we want to see the fullness of what Jesus accomplished on the cross manifest in our lives. And so we just give you, give you permission to touch those areas of our heart tonight, Lord, that are not governed by faith. Touch those areas of our heart tonight, Lord, where there's fear and whatever else, Lord, is hindering uh, the miraculous manifestation of heaven. And uh, we just give you permission to just do what you do best, which is renew our minds and uh, cause us to think with the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But okay, well, um, I just think that's awesome. You know, we have been, and I'll jump off just kind of as a little bit of review, um, so there's some here people that are here for the first time tonight. Um, the scripture that... Um, uh, let me see where I want to go first. I think I'll go... Um, yeah, we'll go to Mark chapter 10 first. And Mark chapter 10, I love this because it's a story about Jesus and a blind guy. And you'd think that a blind guy would be pretty obvious what he needed. You know, you'd think that God would, wouldn't have to, you know, ask what do, you, what do you need, right? But that's not how the story reads. I'm going to go, go to it. I want to find it in the Bible gateway. Hold on one second. I, it's coming up wrong. Um, Luke 10. Oh, sorry, 
Alrighty, so if you're going to follow along with me in your Bible, we're going to go to Luke 10, and we'll start probably around, I said Luke, I meant Mark, I t- I, I, Mark, Mark, there we go. Alrighty, so here's what it says, All right, in verse 46, it says, Then they came to the city of Jericho. When he was leaving the city with his followers and many people, talking about Jesus, a blind man was sitting by the road. He was asking people for food or money as they passed by. His name was Bartimaeus, and he was the son of Timaeus. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he began to speak with a loud voice, saying, Jesus, son of David, take pity on me. Many people spoke sharp words to the blind man, telling him not to call out like that. But he spoke all the more. Let me stop here for a second. You know, the devil always tries to shut you up, you know. But when he does that, you know what you do? You just get louder. He said, Son of David, take pity on me. And Jesus stopped and told them to call the blind man. He called to him and said, Take hope. Stand up. He's calling for you. As he jumped up, he threw off his coat and came to Jesus. And Jesus said for him, said to him, here's the main phrase right here, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. At once he could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, this whole little story about the blind guy right here will really mess with the religious mindset. It will mess with your religious mindset that, you know, we pray these prayers. I mean, and there's a time to pray, God, your will be done, not mine. But there's also a time when God wants to know, what do you want? He's your dad. He's a daddy. Can you imagine not asking your kids what they want for their birthday? You know, I'm not going to get you what you want. I'm going to get you what you need. Right? Right. I'm going to get you, right? I'm going to get you some dental floss. Right? You know, I mean, or Christmas, you know, I'm just going to get you what I think you want. No, I mean, parents delight in knowing what their kids want, and then sometimes just going a little overboard. You know, I know you just want to go overboard. They, you, they ask for this, and you go this much, right, just because you want to bless your kids, you know? And so, but the religious mindset has a real hard time answering that question. What do you want? You know, and I, I've shared this story before. It's, it's a whole lesson in Emerge, you know, about how God asked me this question one time, and, you know, I thought there was a right answer. And so I was like searching. I mean, I was like, you know, thinking like Solomon or something. Well, Solomon asked for wisdom and then, you know, ding, 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 ding. He got wisdom and then everything else, you know. So I'm looking for the right answer. But the Lord said, you know, he was talking to me. I mean, he just said, look, if you're trying to give me the right answer, it's the wrong answer. Because the question is, what do you want? So if you're looking, if you answer that any other way than what you want, it's a wrong answer. If we try to figure out what God wants, that's not what you want. That's what God wants. And and the question isn't, what do you want me, you know, what do you think I want you to have? That wasn't the question. What do you think I want you to have? No, the question is, what do you want? And I'll tell you, the religious spirit is after our desires. You know, it's like desire is sinful or something. Desire is selfish. But desire is God-given. 
Desires are a tree of life. And so asking that question and answering that question is really, really important. And it's important that you, you are specific. And here's the thing I love about this. I mean, Jesus obviously saw the guy was blind. I mean, he obviously saw a need, right? But then I also think it's interesting that Jesus, when he answered him and said, you know, that I can receive my sight here, I want to see. He said, go, your faith has healed you. Well, what faith? Okay, first of all, he didn't say, I healed you. Go, I healed you. He said, go, your faith has healed you. And now what faith? Was it the faith that he was just yelling out, son of David? Was it that faith? Was it the fact that he answered the question? Does it take faith to even answer the question? But one of the things that we mistakenly believe is that God is in control of our healing or that God is in control of us receiving whatever it is that we need. And that is another just religious mindset, that God is in control. I know that when we say that, Sometimes it's some kind of comfort. Like we can say, oh, God is in control. But if God is in control, he's doing a really bad job of controlling things. Because I I don't know if you've watched the news lately. Either he's the author behind some horrible, horrible things, or he's not very powerful. The truth of the matter is that God is not a control freak. And you and I and all of humanity have been given free will. You know, people say things like, well, if there was a God, why would there be so much pain and suffering in the world? Why would there be starving kids in Africa? Why would there be poverty all over the planet? Okay, that is not God's fault. If anything, it's humanity's fault. You know, I read some statistics one time that if we just took, I mean, it was something like 1% of the world's military budget, 1% 1% of the, of, the, the, of, of the military budget of the nations, it was just even the developed nations of the world, that poverty would be eradicated across the planet. So it is not that it's not a solvable problem, and it's not that God is in control and doing nothing about it. It's that he gave man dominion. He told Adam and Eve, right, take dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and take dominion. And he blessed them to do just that. He told Adam, tend the garden. Tend it. In other words, take care of the earth. Steward the earth. Take possession of it and have dominion. I've made you in my image, and I want you to be godlike in the rulership of this planet. Right? And so that whole idea that God is in control, and in the Gospels, you'll see time and time again, Jesus say this phrase, it's according to your faith. It's according to your faith. And there are so so much teaching and so much doctrine out there that makes it about us, makes it about, and and when I say that, I mean about, you know, a 10-step thing to, we please God, and then we get blessed, you know, or we you know, or just God's in control. There's all these religious doctrines around this idea that, well, I just say this, there's all these religious doctrines around this this, um, concept that makes receiving from God 
something other than faith. (laughs) Right? It makes it a work or it makes it God's responsibility. And it's neither of those things. It's a function of faith. It's a function of faith. If you can believe it, Jesus said all things are possible if you can believe. So the, the, I mean, the Israelites, right? They wandered around the, the wilderness for all those years. They couldn't receive the inheritance of God. Not because the inheritance wasn't there. And guess what? God wasn't in control. God didn't control whether or not they got the inheritance. He actually required them to believe. He required them to believe that he was who he said he was, not because he made them believe it, right? And when, they, when the 12 spies went in and only two came back with a good report, 10 of them saw the giants, 10 of them saw themselves as, as grasshoppers, and only two of them said, let's go up at once and overtake it. Let's go get it. We are well able, right? And that is the spirit of faith. See, the spirit of faith takes what God has already given. It's the hand that reaches out and receives the gift of God. Right? That's what it is. It's the receiving hand. And it believes. It says that without faith, it's impossible. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because you have to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. He is a good daddy. And this guy, how do you know? How do you know blind Bartimaeus was diligently seeking him? So much so, he's yelling out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's a good prayer. Yeah? Because mercy means you don't get what you deserve. And in the kingdom, we don't get what we deserve. We do not get what we deserve. We do not get what we earn. We get what Jesus purchased with his own blood. By grace, we get those things. How? Through faith. We simply believe it. We simply believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now listen, there is resistance to this. Because you know what? The enemy has to. That's why it's called a fight of faith. It's not called a fight against the devil. It's called the fight of faith. And it's for what we believe. The enemy is after what we believe. Because if we get this faith thing down, we will strip the enemy from sitting on what actually belongs to us. See, faith is the giant slayer. Faith is the giant slayer. It's the sword that cuts the head off of whatever giant may be in your path. By faith, David ran to, the, to the, the front line with just a little slingshot. Man, that, that giant was taunting him, right? Whatever's standing between you and your promised land, it'll sit the giants, right? They'll tell you all kinds of mess. They'll accuse, they'll get, do all kinds of things. But just David stood there and talked back. Who are you to defy the army of the living God this day? Right? This day, and same thing with, with Joshua and Caleb, at once, let's go up at once, this day, right? That's another thing. We think we're waiting on God. We think we're waiting on God. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. You know, you don't have to wait on, just think about your own salvation. Think about your own receiving Jesus in your heart. 
Did we have to wait for that? Or did we just say, hey, Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, and was it instant, right that minute? Your faith took it right that minute. So faith also, see, it's bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And here's the thing. If you have believed, quote, unquote, I'm going to say believed, quote, unquote, for something, and it didn't come to pass, okay, that's everybody in this room. I mean, there's nobody that has per- that I know of that has received every single thing they've ever supposedly believed for from God. See, but here's what we do. We make it mean something about God. We change our mind. We, but see, that's the enemy's strategy because, see, doubt is the killer of faith. Doubt is the killer of faith. When Peter was walking on the water, remember Jesus said, come. I mean, it's a storm. There's wind and there's waves, right? And, and here Peter was doing something, believing something that was impossible. You're, I'm believing for something that's impossible. And truthfully, there's, you know, a few of us are believing for things that are pretty significant. And, you know, like, I mean, a healing is a pretty supernatural thing. A miracle, you got to have a miracle for that, right? And I told people this summer, let's get, let's ask for some big stuff, you know? Let's, let's, I mean, I don't even think God's going to break a sweat on most of the things that we're asking for, you know? I mean, this is the guy that created everything that we see in six days, but we've been so dummied down by the world system. We've been so dummied down by our physical senses. We've been dummied down to believe that what we see is all there is. We've been dummied down to believe that, you know, we can't ask God for much because we're not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not, well, of course we're not worthy. That's why we need a Savior. It's not a problem that you need a Savior. It's not a problem that you need a deliver. It's not a problem that you actually need a God. So having low self-esteem about your neediness is stupid. But the word says that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. Means that there's glory in your weakness. There's glory in your need. There's glory in your crying out, son of David, have mercy upon me. There's glory in our humanity. There's glory in our dependency. We are called to be dependent. We are called to have a source that is outside of ourselves. And that doesn't make us weak. That makes us God's kids. That makes us the child and him the pop. You know, it it doesn't make us weak. And so we, 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 we have to get over ourselves and, and, and just agree that we are who God says we are because he's the definer of all things. And so when we believe for things, one of the things we've been doing is we've kind of been, we gotta give, we got to give a clean slate to God. You know, I mean, my own mother died of pancreatic cancer in the middle of one of the biggest healing moves of God I'd ever been in. I'm seeing creative miracles. I'm seeing body parts recreated. I'm seeing entire death homes emptied out on the mission field. I'm seeing incredible signs and wonders. Incredible. I'm watching Jesus show up again and again and again. And yet my own mother, right? Now, I could have made that mean a whole lot of things. But I tell you what I'm not going to make it mean. I'm not going to make it mean that Jesus became sickness on the... He became, I'm not going to change my mind about who God is because of my lack of understanding or my lack of ability to 
to overcome a particular obstacle, right? You know, at the same time, I mean, I, I had a lady that I prayed for that had lung cancer. This is, I mean, you know, I'm pretty wild. So those of you that are here the first day, you know, it'll be good. So you'll either like it or you'll go like, that crazy, that woman's, that woman's crazy. But crazy's good. There's a lot of crazy people in the Bible. I mean, I don't think it's a prerequisite, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to be a little crazy. You know, but I was at this meeting, and this woman had stage five, I think, lung cancer, smoker. You know, and I'll tell you, that religious mindset will come up with a hundred reasons why this smoker can't get healed. But you know what? The word didn't say Jesus became sickness on the cross, that by his stripes you were healed unless you smoke. There was no caveat around that, oh, unless you, you know, you don't eat, unless you don't eat gluten. Right? Or whatever. It said by, your, by his stripes we were healed. It didn't say by your diet, by your healthy choices, yeah, by your good family's, you know, health record and health history. No, it said by what Jesus accomplished. And so this lady came up and I said, you know, sister, I'm going to teach you how to smoke the breath of life. She looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, I said, you know, come on, just come on, let's, let's let's smoke a Holy Ghost cigarette. She looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you never smoked a Holy Ghost cigarette? I was like, come on, it's the breath of life. I said, I'm going to light it up for you. Come on. I mean, under the power of the Holy Ghost, she just went into this holy laughter. I mean, she had to go, she had to like leave. She had to go over to a whole other room. Because she was just, she was, interu- she was being interruptive in church, you know, just like my dog. And, and anyway, I got a, I don't know if it was a call or whatever. I mean, it was a week or two later. This woman kept, guess what? She kept on smoking those smokes. She kept on smoking those Holy Ghost cigarettes. And she got totally, radically healed. Okay? So what if I had let one failure Shut me down, and that's it. Let me decide that God doesn't heal, or you know what, he doesn't use me, or if I'd made it mean something. You know, everyone in here, if you're going to be a miracle worker and you're going to believe God for a miracle, we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, and you may not always get it right, especially if you're believing God for something bigger than you, which is exactly what we should be believing God for anyway. You know what, failure is just a learning curve. I've never prayed for someone without learning something. Amen. So, that's right. That's right. So, really persistence. And it's faith. It's faith. It's faith is the connection. And so, if we are going to receive what already really belongs to us. I mean, let me say it every way. If we're going to experience it. That's a better word. Because receiving some kind of it feels like you're getting something you don't have, right? Experiencing is a better word, right? It's a better word. If we're going to experience what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, if we're going to experience it, we're going to need to believe it, right? One of the things we've been talking about on these Sundays, too, is, you know what? You don't experience it believing it's in the future, 
okay? Another scripture we've been talking about is from Mark 11, Mark 11 to 24. And um, this scripture is a pretty, it's a really, really, really powerful scripture. I mean, I've considered just taking this one scripture as a meditation project for a whole year. I've had a couple that the Lord has done that with me. He said, I want you to meditate on this scripture for a whole year, this one for a whole year, and it's transformed my entire life. You know, because it's not the word that we've memorized that transforms us. The word says that when we abide in the word, when we abide in his commandments, that we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. But there's an abiding, there's a knowing that has to come for that experience of what the truth is to manifest in our lives. And this is such a powerful scripture. It says this. Because of this, I say to you, whatever you ask for when you pray, have faith you will receive it, then you will get it. That's the NL, that's a new life version. Let me read it just in the NIV, which is even simpler than that. This, is so, this should be so simple a kid can do it. Because the word says that we have to become like little children. And so it says, therefore I tell you, this is the NIV, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let me say it again. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, another way of thinking about this is there's a scripture. Hold on one second. Let me get there. Okay, in Romans 4.17, that says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, this is talking about Abraham. I'm going to bring this in a different version because it is a better. Okay, I'm just going to do it in the good old King James. Here it says, As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations, before him who he believed, even God. Here's the part I want to bring out. Who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, I'm doing this in the context of whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you've received them and you shall have them. See, there is a a past tense to faith. All right? Meaning... You have to believe that you already have what you don't have. Because you do have it. It's just an invisible reality right now. Ephesians 1 says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right? See, what we see is not all there is. And there is a lot of things that you currently don't see that you already have. All right? And let me say it another way. In this particular scripture, talking about Abraham, how many of you know God called Abraham the father of a nation? And guess what? He called him that when he was impotent and 99 years old. So he was old and incapable in the natural of having kids. So this was, he, but he was calling him not impotent. He wasn't calling him childless. He wasn't calling him what the natural Uh, circumstances looked like you would call Abraham. See, God talks different than we talk. He calls things that be not as though they were. Right? And so 
That's why he would, you know, call Gideon a mighty man of valor. That's why he told Abraham, you are the father of many nations. That's why he called Peter a rock. Because he speaks of the non-existent things, it says in the Amplified Version of this scripture, as though they already existed. So when he says, whatever things you desire in prayer, believe you receive them and you shall have them, he's trying to get you to think like he does. He's trying to get you to recognize that you have to call things that be not as though they were. And so you have to receive what you appearing, what appears at the moment that you don't have. You have to, you have to say it like you have it. You have to receive, you have to actually have it before you have it. Right? So Becca, this means you say, I'm in, I'm employed. I've got a job. I got a great job. I got a great job. I got the best job in the world. I make more money than I thought I was going to make. I'm the best employee they've ever had. I've got great favor at my job. You know, whenever my husband, my husband is a plumber, and whenever he works in the, for the union, and, you know, there's just different job changes and things that happen in the course of that because there's different contractors. And, you know, my, my but the point is there's transitions that happen sometimes. And because we're in ministry and we've left all to follow Jesus, until things grow the way that God has, you know, prophesied they're going to grow, we need, we need that paycheck. And so just recently, you know, he called and there was a transition. You know, he never says, I was let go. He never says, I lost my job today. Right? That's never come out of Brian's mouth. You know what Brian says? I got promoted today. I got promoted today. Today was promotion day, Shalise. Why? Because that's how God talks. That's how God talks. But you and I have been taught to be a slave of our physical senses. It came with the fall. It came with the fall when Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes were opened. That is, that is the weirdest way to say it, because their eyes weren't opened. Their eyes were shut. Their physical eyes were opened to a place where they, this, they began to dominate their world. They began to dominate what the physical circumstances said began, became reality versus what God has said. And so faith literally is a reversal of living that way. We walk by faith and not by sight. It is getting off of your physical senses. I mean, the word goes as far to say that living off of our physical senses is carnal that we are carnal baby Christians acting like mere men when we are led by our physical senses. And we believe that what our physical senses tell us is all there is, that's the truth. And day after day after day, we live like the spirit realm is make-believe. Or, or that, or we don't even think about it. It's just, it's just it, we don't even, it doesn't even occur to us, for some of us, that the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. And you and I are called to be, and this is, I'll share the encounter again, but we are called to be bringers of the unseen into the seen. We are called to manifest heaven on earth. We are called, it says, that whatsoever we bind on, um, uh, bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven, that we have authority in the natural realm to make this planet look like heaven. But we have to be connected to what is not seen. We have to be connected to the spiritual reality that spawned this reality. Everything that we see was in the heart and in the mind of God and in the mouth of God 
before it ever manifested. And what we desire, see, the Holy Spirit is still brooding. He's still brooding. Except now he's brooding over whatever mess is in our own life. Whatever is dark, whatever is void, whatever is not like heaven. He's brooding on those things right now. And the enemy is doing everything in his power to convince you it's never going to change, that it's hopeless, that God isn't real, that God is a liar, that he is unfaithful. He's been slandering God since the garden. He told Adam and Eve that God was a liar is what he said. When he was a liar, he was lying saying God is a liar. If you eat that, you surely won't die. And then he twisted the truth. and says, if you eat that, you'll be like God. Well, they were already like God. So the enemy's always trying to convince you that you don't have something that you already are. Because here's the deal. Whenever you're fighting sickness, don't ever, ever, ever take on a sick identity. Don't take on the idea that you're sick. You might be resisting sickness at the moment. You might have a, you might have a, a doctor's report that says you've been diagnosed with something, but that is not God's report. That is not the gospel. I mean, the word is clear that by his stripes we were healed, that Jesus became sin on the cross. And sin is the root. Sickness is a fruit. If Adam had not sinned, the root of sickness would not exist on the planet. Sickness is simply a fruit of sin. Death is a fruit of sin. Poverty is a fruit of sin. All of these fruit on this, this, that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's the fruit of sin. And so when he became sin, When he became sin on the cross, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus became sin. That is such a powerful thing. He didn't just just forgive our sins. He did. He did. He forgave our sins, but he did more than just forgive sins. He actually became sin. He became the curse. He became what Adam caused. He became that very, that's why he was called the last Adam. Okay, and it says this, let me read it, I'll just read it in the King James. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so when Jesus became sin, he, he dealt with the root. He dealt with the root, just like he did when he cursed the fig tree. He cursed it at the root. And all that, that tree shriveled up. The whole, the whole thing shriveled up. Why? Because lack is illegal in heaven. Lack is a fruit of sin. Toil is a fruit. Painful childbirth, a fruit. Pain of all kinds, emotional otherwise. It is a fruit of one man's offense. It is a fruit of Adam's disobedience. And guess what? Everybody in this room, nobody asked to be born into sin, did you? Nobody's, nobody, I didn't have a choice. I wasn't in the garden. I didn't eat the tree. Maybe I wouldn't have chose that. Maybe I would have told the snake, get out of here. I don't know that I would have, but who knows? The point is I didn't have a choice. 
I got an inheritance from Adam. I got an inheritance from Adam. I got an inheritance of death, an inheritance of sin, an inheritance of sickness, an inheritance of lack. I got an inheritance from a guy I don't even know. That's why grace has to be how it comes. Because I didn't have anything to do with the cross either. Nobody asked me. Nobody said, do you want me to go? Do you want me to, you want me to forgive your sins? Do you want me to take your sickness? Do you want me? I don't know. Maybe in my darkness I would have been like, get away. I don't know. I mean, but he didn't ask me that either. Adam didn't ask me and Jesus didn't ask me. Right? So faith is connecting. It's just connecting to what Jesus has accomplished. And you can't take on the I don't have it mentality. Because that keeps us from having it. Why? Because it's according to our faith. It's according to what we believe. And when you receive it, when you believe it, you do that in the realm of your spiritual awareness, in the realm of your spiritual senses. Because everyone in here does not just have physical senses. You have spiritual senses. You have eyes and ears and a sense of smell. See, you may think when I had that woman smoke that Holy Ghost cigarette that we were just pretending about something. But spiritual matter is real. Spiritual matter is real. I I was telling a story on my webinar this week about this encounter that I had with God, and I was ordaining someone. It's kind of the strangest ordination I'd ever been a part of. Surely it was strange for everybody that watched it. But I I ordained someone, and the presence of God was so strong, I literally fell out in the power of God. In the middle of the meeting, I'm just out for two hours. You've got to be free just to lay on the floor, you know, in the middle of your own meeting. I'd do it again right now, Holy Ghost. But, you know, um, when I was out, it was this awesome experience. There was these cups all over every table, every chair, every floor. They looked like, they honestly looked like iPhone white glass. They were these white cups, and they had the silver lining inside of it. It was like silver. It was a real sci-fi looking cup. And it was filled with this water that was like thicker than regular water. It kind of reminded me of that wave machine water, you know, slow-mo water. It was kind of like that. It was thick. And I just kept, I just, I mean, just, I kept getting drinks of this drink in this encounter. And I mean, I was so out of it. I mean, I was just like, in this, in this drinking, this spiritual drink, which I came to know afterwards that it was just like pure Holy Spirit. It was just drinking of the Holy Spirit. The word says, don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And so I was getting filled with the Spirit. And I mean, I was drunk as a good, I mean, just out of it, right? So two hours, right, goes by. And finally, I'm able to get up. I gain my composure a little bit. And I start telling the people about the story. And there was one lady who was just bold enough there. was like, well, I'm going to take a drink. Well, and so she gets a glass. No, it's a make-believe glass. I mean, like, it's not a glass. I mean, I can't, nothing's there, Right? She just picked up a little make-believe glass, swigs it back, and it was so powerful it dissolved her gum. Literally, she had gum in her mouth, boom, gone. So don't tell me that that woman wasn't literally smoking some kind of cigarette that's from heaven. That's just full of, I mean, it says the leaves are healing for the nations. I don't know what kind of smoke that was. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know... I just knew by the Holy Spirit that that cancer was illegal in her body. 
And that, that guilt that she had from smoking was how the demonic was taking control of her. You deserve that. See, you did that to yourself. You deserve to die. You killed yourself. Die. See, we have to get in agreement. The enemy doesn't even have the authority to come and kill you without your agreement. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. We have been programmed to die. We have been programmed to be sick. We have been programmed to receive what Jesus already dealt with. And let me tell you, our minds, it's what we believe. Death and, pow- death and life is not in the power of cancer. It's in the power of our tongue. Death and life is not in the power. Poverty is not in the power of the number in your bank account. It's in the power of your tongue. Heaven is in our mouth. That's why God talks the way he talks. He says that the, you know, it says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. It says, it says that his, it's, let me just read it, because it gives this whole picture of snow and rain, and it's awesome because he's, he's talking about his words, that God plants the heavens with his words. Let me go there. So here's what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is Isaiah 55, 8. Neither are my ways, are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. And then he says, as the rain and the snow come down for heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So that is how God thinks. That's God's way, and that's how God talks. He doesn't say what he doesn't want to see the fruit of. He doesn't speak nonsense. He doesn't say, I can't afford that. Right? He doesn't say, I'm sick. Right? Now, I know this is a whole nother way of living. And I know, dear Jesus, help us. Right? Because we have been programmed by a world system to, that it's, you know, it, it, just call it as you see it, sister. Missouri, show me. Show me state. I'll see it when I, I believe it when I see it. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the world's way. And they call it wisdom. They call it wisdom. But it's not the way God thinks. God is a God who says you got to have it before you have it. you got to have it before you have it. Now, how in the world do we have it before we have it? How do we have it? You see in the spirit, Ray... That's right. You have it. You have a future right now. And that's what he told Abraham. He told Abraham, you know what? Go out to the stars. He gave him like a little visual aid, right? Come out here, Abraham. Look at those stars up there. See all those stars? That's how many, that's how many kids you're going to have, Abraham. He was teaching him to see something that was different than the natural circumstances. He was telling him, see it. Because why? If you can see it, you shall have it. 
Matter of fact, you can in Mark eleven twenty four. You can says if you, whatever so things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. You can almost mark that believe you receive it out and say see it, and you shall have it. Believe you receive, see it. Believe you receive, see it. Believe you receive, see it. And the whole world is after what you see. The enemy is after what you see. He's after your image. He's after your internal image. Do you have an image of health? Do you have an image of wealth? Do you have an image of condemnation and of poverty and lack and self-hatred? And, you know, you, you know, I mean, I have lost weight supernaturally this way. I would stand on the scale every single morning and just see a different number. I lost almost 20 pounds doing that until my marathon coach, who I don't talk to that often, I don't even know why I opened my big mouth. I was in Chicago, and he's like, wow, you've lost so much weight. You know, he's like Mr. Like Nutrition, whatever. He's like, what have you been doing? Because he knows me. He knows I'm probably not, you know, before that moment, I had not been the nutritional whatever guru. And he's like, whoa, what are you doing? I said, I'm losing the supernaturally, man. He literally said, you can't do that. He literally said, you can't do that. And I don't know what hit me, but it was, I mean, it hit me, and I stopped. Oh, absolutely, totally stopped. And now, granted, I, and I was on it, too. But the point is, I mean, if you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you shall receive it, and you shall have it. I'm I'm telling you, I think that's going to be my new new meditation project for a year. I feel it. Believe you receive it. See it. Believe you receive it. Receive it. See it. I think you can get so proficient at this that, you know, I think sometimes when we first start and we're trying to believe for something that, you know, we really don't believe. You know what I mean? We're believing something. We, we're, we're trying to get something we really don't believe. I mean, that's the whole point. It's called the fight of faith. You're, you're literally renewing your mind to believe it. But see, here's the thing. Seeing it creates a new image because here's the problem the reason you don't believe it is because you've been seeing something else for so long see the principle is still at work you've just seen your lack of finances for so long you just believe in that more than you believe in the word of god you've you've struggled with your weight for so long that you just believe you have a slow metabolism more than you believe that if you see it you'll lose it you, you, we struggle. We've had our struggles for so long, they seem like they're more real. So that, you know, it's like to see it at first doesn't seem real. It just feels like this is stupid. But you just keep seeing it. You keep seeing it. You know, you just keep seeing it. You keep seeing it. And you keep seeing it. And every time you see it, Abraham, go look at those stars. You see it. Change your name, Abraham. Abram. You're not going to be Abram anymore. You're going to be Abraham. So get your mouth in alignment. Start calling yourself. This is um, in Job 3.25. And we, um, here's what it says. (coughs) Excuse me. In the New Living Translation, it says, What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Let me say it this way. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Now, you know what? I'm going to just say this. See, fear is actually faith. Let me say it a different way. What I believed has come upon me. What I received has happened to me. What I had faith in 
has come upon me. What I expected has happened to me. You see that? See, we, we think fear, you know, sometimes we, we think fear and faith are different. Faith is just, faith, fear is just faith in the enemy's ability. Fear is faith in the enemy's plan. Fear is faith in what the enemy has spoken. powerful okay you can literally say just like I did you can replace the fear with what you believed right and I've said this story again that it bears witnessing here you know when I was experiencing serial miscarriages I had the opportunity to number one change what I believed I could have believed it wasn't God's will for me to have kids I could have believed that I was just barren. I could have believed that maybe it just was not in the cards for me. And this is some people, this is how you do it with sickness. Not everybody gets healed. It's not always God's will to heal, right? But, you know, I knew the word, and I knew barrenness was under the curse. I knew that barrenness was a result of the fall. I knew that there's the promise that says, he makes the, the barren woman to be the joyful mother of children and keep house. So I knew the will of God was fruitfulness. I knew the will of God. He says that children are a gift from the Lord. That It's a blessing. And we're blessed. We're not cursed. So rather than blaming me or just, you know, just trying to figure, make a logical reason for why this kept going on and accept it, I said to the Lord, how... Is the enemy stealing from me? And fear was how the enemy was stealing from me. Because I had more faith in having miscarriages than I had faith in carrying a pregnancy full term. Okay, now obviously I have two kids, so I got that thing turned around. And I did that through what I saw and what I said. I said, I am the joyful mother of children, and I keep house. I'm a mom. And I saw myself nine months pregnant. I saw myself walking in the garden, getting fed grapes from Jesus. We'd have picnics, and I was big as a house, waddling in heaven. Right? And so I received it. I believed I received it because I saw it. And I would see it and see it. And granted, there's imaginations that would come, right? I'd get shot of fear. I'd get a picture of miscarriage. I'd get a picture of something coming into my head. And you know what? I had to take those thoughts captive. You can't entertain that mess. We have to think about what we're thinking about. We have to be aware of our thoughts. And we are tempted. We are tempted all the time to think things that are not like God's thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And we are tempted all the time to think non-righteous thoughts. There's a great scripture that says the thoughts of the righteous are right. So when we start to get into unrighteous thinking, our thoughts are wrong. 
So if we're going to, we're going to say, what do you want? Number one, step, step one, what do you want? Step two, what's other things you desire? When you pray, believe you receive them. We got to receive it. How do we receive it? We see it. How do we see it? We see it through the fig, through the, the faculty of our imagination. We figure out what our stars are. They're not our stars, but whatever our stars are, that's what we look at. We look at an imagination. We look at a visual aid. And it is cool. Go get a visual aid. You know, go get a picture, a physical picture that you can look at that represents what you have, what you have, what you have received. If that's what it takes, you meditate on that thing day and night. That's what he told Joshua, right? You meditate. You put something before your eyes. Because seeing is believing. And then you get your mouth right. You get your mouth right and you call things that be not as though they were. And you call yourself what you aren't in the natural. But you are already in the spirit. So you say, I am healed. I am rich. I am prospering. I do have 10 grand a month in revenues. I, ha- I-, I you know, you, you, you say... What you see. Because here's the truth. You already are. Because if you see lack, you're already saying it. You see it now. You see it as a right now reality. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. When he said, Father, grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Knowledge of you. And Grant them that, that spirit so that they can know you, so that they can, they can act like you, they can think like you. And enlighten the eyes of their understanding so they can know the hope of their calling. So they can see the hope of their calling. So they can see themselves in Christ. So they can see what is already theirs. So they can see their inheritance. You know, and I'm just doing some review here because we also went to Joshua chapter 6. And we said that God took Joshua right before the first battle for Jericho. And remember, Jericho was straight shut up. No one was going in, no one was going out. Joshua 6, chapter 1. But Joshua, the Lord told Joshua, See, this day I've given Jericho into your hands. See. See. He said, see it. And then he told him what to do. March around it seven times. And then he even told him, because the Holy Spirit will show you the future. The Holy Spirit will be involved in showing you what you're supposed to see. I mean, when I was seeing myself nine months pregnant, that vision was so incredibly powerful. I mean, I'd have to go because I, was, I had children later in life. You know, they, I mean, just to get a, an ultrasound. I mean, it's like they, there's a disclaimer that's 10 pages long about all these things that are probably, I need to warn you about that are, could be wrong with your baby. And all the statistics and all this stuff. You know, and I mean, talk about, you know, like that's what you want to hear before you go see an ultrasound, you know, when you've had three miscarriages, you know. So I would just, I mean, I was like kind of like, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Like she's talking, and I am looking at her, but I'm not listening. Why? Because I was in the garden nine months pregnant, walking around eating grapes with Jesus. I was there, but I wasn't there. You know, that thing was so powerful that when I would have morning sickness, I could lay in my bed and go into the garden, close my eyes, and just see myself nine months pregnant, and it would just to- it would totally leave my body. Morning sickness would to- just from visualization, just from seeing myself living above the curse. 
Yeah. Now this is what it means to labor, to enter into rest. See, you're resting when what you see in the spirit is more real than what's going on in the natural. That's rest. And it says those who have believed do enter rest. So the fight is to see. And you see until you can rest in it. And I love what I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time. He said, I believed for that thing so long that when I got it was old. I believed for that thing for so long that when I got it, it was old. That means he had lived with it in the faculty of his imagination and had received it. He'd been living well. He's already had it for so long that by the time he got it, it wasn't like it, that it, it wasn't that big of a deal. So a better way of saying what are you believing for this summer is what are you seeing for this summer? What do you see? What do you see? Now, does everybody have, you know, a a pretty good idea of, you know, what you see in the natural is pretty easy to see, isn't it? You know? It's pretty easy to see the natural piece. But you've actually got to look with your spiritual eyes to see the unseen. You know? And the Word tells us to see the unseen. It tells us not to to look at the unseen. Look at the scripture. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the circumstances, the things we see in the natural, that's just temporary. It's just, a temp- it's just temporary. But the things that we see, that we look at, are the things that are eternal. So this takes, it takes a little bit of discipline, doesn't it? To focus your spiritual eyes on the unseen. Right? Things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith sees what, what it says in the Amplified, faith, to this, I'm paraphrasing, but say faith sees what is not revealed to the physical senses. And another part of Hebrews 11 in the Amplified version, it, it, there's a part of there, I think it's Isaac, it just said, seen with the eyes of faith. So your faith has eyes. Whenever I pray for someone, I always see what I say. And I say what I see. So whenever I'm praying, I'm always looking. You know, that's something I had to learn because I think when you first start out in ministry, you just, your eyes are focused on you. You know, oh, I hope I have something to pray for this person. Or, you know, you just get nervous. I don't have anything to offer. I'm just a kid or I'm, a, I'm young in the Lord or I don't have experience or something. Um, 
But, you know, I learned that the key to answering, the key to things is seeing. So when I speak to something in, in the name of Jesus, I would see this sometimes. I'd say, you know what? I really believe this with all my heart. When you say the name of Jesus, I believe the unseen realm, down even at a subatomic level, at a you know, molecular level, I believe that those particles are standing up and saluting the name of God. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, they obey. The unseen realm knows that Jesus is Lord. Matter of fact, he upholds all things with the word of his power. So he's down at the subatomic sub level. He is down at that level. And so when I pray in the name of Jesus, blah, 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 I see it. Why? Because that's praying with faith. It's praying with faith. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching... I'm praying with someone right now, but it's kind of like I'm more teaching them. Uh, it's a, and I, I, I'm teaching them to see how to pray. You know, so whatever they see, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to pray. Show me the, the issue. Show me what's going on here. And the Holy Spirit will show them, and then they know what to pray. It's a really good strategy for prayer. The Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. Right? Like I said, when I asked the Lord, how is the enemy stealing my babies? Holy Spirit, how is this happening? Right? So, by now, hopefully, if you've got a little bit of a, an understanding of what I'm saying, is everybody following what I'm saying? Really clearly? All right. So if you know what you need to be receiving or you need to be seeing, raise your hand if you know what you need to be seeing. If you've turned what you're believing for into, okay, now I need to see this. Maybe you haven't seen it yet, but you know what you need to see. Right? You, have, you haven't seen it, but you know, at least you, you get it, right? Okay. Well, we're going to spend some time. Let's just see what we need to see. Okay? You got a question? Okay. Unseen? Uh-huh. It's all the same, Amy. It's all the same because the angels are the same place that everything else that is unseen is seen. Right? It's just, where are you looking? Am I focusing my spiritual eyes in the room to see what's here? Or am I focusing my spiritual eyes to see the future that, is, that I'm bringing into the present? It's still your, your, they're all unseen things, and they're the same eyes that you're using to see all of them. Okay? Absolutely. No. No. No, that, that's the problem. We think that what we see is imaginary. 
But let me give you some examples of how it's not imaginary. <laughs> um, another example for Brian and I's past was uh, I, we met when he lived in California, I lived in Chicago. And we dated long distance for a while, and then you know, he ended up moving to Chicago before we got married. And he had been a plumber, a journeyman plumber in the plumbing industry for a year, maybe a decade even, by the time he moved to Chicago. But the way it works with union is when you come to a new place, you've got to take a new test, you've got to get into the new union. I mean, it's a, and it's Chicago's like, you know, like kind of a little mobbish. <laughs> you know, it just is. I mean, you know, it's, it's Al Capone territory, you know, and so it's kind of old school in the union and all this stuff. And so there were just a lot of interesting things that went on trying to get all of this stuff transferred into Chicago. And so he kept taking this Chicago, the, the plumbing exam and not passing. I mean, how many times? Like three times we took it, right? And we were just like, what the heck is going on? And we just started to realize this, there is some such sort of spiritual resistance to this thing happening. And so he came home, I think the fourth time he took it, and he was like, man, because, you, you know, it's a, it's a long all-day test with all this. It's a way more complicated than I can. Oh, I'd look at the stuff and be like, I can't believe you're doing this. But he had to, there's like a written portion and then a practical portion that you have to build something. So he came home, and one of his... I don't know, fittings blue or something it seemed like. So he was not feeling good about the test. And frankly, I'm just a little annoyed because, number one, there's spiritual resistance. Number two, he needs to get into a, a real job, just all this stuff that's going on. And so I take a shower. Sometimes when I'm mad, I take a shower because I can pray good in there and think good in there. And so I'm just praying in the shower, you know, just... And I see... First of all, I kind of see the spiritual resistance. And so I also see it as I'm just praying, it just backing up, backing up, backing up. And then I heard the Lord say, what do you see? And I mean, I couldn't get out of the shower fast enough. And I can't tell you how many times the Lord has, that's about the only answer he gives me when there's, a spirit, when there's any kind of hindrance now. I'm like, Brian, the Lord wants to know, what do we see? I'm yelling it, right? And uh, we were married by then. And he... Uh, he said, we got to see it, you know, and Brian's like, I see it. I see my, my, my plumbing van, and I see this. You know, he had a picture that he saw for it, and I'm like, okay, I see it. I'm going to the mailbox, and I'm bringing out the paper, and you passed, right? So, you know, it takes like a month to get the results back, and so for some reason, Brian was off work one day, and so we were waiting for the results for the test. And so he goes out to the mailbox to get the test, to go find the test. And I told him before he went out to the mailbox, it's not going to be there. He's like, why? I said, because you didn't go to the mailbox. I went to the mailbox. I'm the one that got the test, and you weren't home. So it's not going to be here. So sure enough, he goes out there, and it wasn't there. Well, the very next day, I go out to the mailbox. I open up the mailbox, and I pull it out. And sure enough, I open it, bam, exactly like I saw it. Another time, this was when I was pregnant with Lily, and I had been working in full-time ministry, and I knew that after Lily was born, I was not going to want to have a normal 9-to-5 job that I went to every day. And so I wanted to work from home. Well, at this ministry that I worked for, nobody worked from home. That was not what you did. But I knew what God had put in my heart. And I also had, I knew I wasn't supposed to do the same position that I had done before. And so, but there was something that had God put in my heart about him wanting to help Bill Winston with certain things. And so the Lord just said, write the vision and make it plain. So I just wrote the vision of what I saw 
and I saw myself working from home for the same amount of money part-time. And, you know, that seems a little arrogant. That seems a little like, what, how's that all going to, you know, that, who are you to be asking for all that? But I just did, and I just said, Lord, I believe that you called me to be a mother as much as you called me to do this work with Bill Winston. And so I just, da 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 And so I just saw it. Well, the day came when it was time to go talk to uh, Bill Winston about coming back to work, and I let him know what I wanted to do. He said, well, why don't you just write the job description you want? So I literally wrote my own job description. I got everything that I asked for. I got to work from home, every single thing that I had seen in my vision, except I didn't deal with the money. So like one Wednesday night, I was at in service, and I was worshiping, and it was literally like God came and tapped me on the shoulder. And I knew what he was asking me about, so it's like I just wanted to ignore it. But he wouldn't leave me alone. He tapped me on the shoulder. And he was just like, so you're just going to leave it like that? And I was like, well, I don't know. He said, well, that's not, that's not what we saw. And I was like, you want me to go? He said, absolutely. You go talk to Latasha, and you get what you saw. So I just called the, the, the CFO and come to find out, oh, well, you know what? You're just about up on your review. Yeah, okay, well, let me talk to da 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 Every single thing that I, had on, that I had seen was exactly like that. And it was the Lord that wouldn't let me settle. He told me one time, it will be as you decree. The challenge will be to stick to your decree. Another scripture is that you shall decree a thing and it shall be established. Why? Because we're made in God's image. Okay? Job 22, 28. Okay? So good. I love the way it reads in the, in the International Standard Version. It says, when you make a decision on something, it will be established for you. And light will brighten your way. See, the problem is we're double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that kind of goes back to the picture I was talking about with Peter walking on water. Here he was doing the impossible, believing the impossible, seeing the impossible. But then he looked away to the circumstances. He looked at the wind. He looked at the waves. And he started to sink. So you can't have one eye on the problem and one eye on what you're seeing. You've got to get both eyes fixed on what you see. And every time something comes up contrary, you need to laugh at it. You need to straight up laugh at it. It's just like the kid who comes and asks for a cookie a hundred times. I mean, seriously, I think Lily came out of the womb negotiating. I think she was less than one, and I, I mean, maybe one, just barely talking. And she'd want a cookie, and I'd say, you know, you can have one. And then she'd come back, one more? No, sweetie. Then she'd be like, two more? Like, no, sweetie. I mean, even now, she, is, she's a, she pushes it. Pushes, there she is, come and take a bow. She pushes it. But, you know, that's how the enemy is. Here, just take that imagination. You don't want another? Come on, two more. 
one more. He's constantly trying to see if you're going to give him what he wants. I mean, you really, that's why the word says to guard our hearts with all diligence, because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. And our hearts are our thoughts. And you know, we can't just, um, you just can't call it like it is. You got to call it like it's not, as though it was. Right? Okay. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to give us a visual image of what it is that we are receiving. My goodness. Okay, let me ask you this. Does it feel unbelievable? It feels unbelievable to me. Does it feel does it feel unbelievable to anybody else? It's okay if you admit that. Right? See, that's some of the problem sometimes is that we don't admit it. And so we just, you know, we 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 are mentally ascending, but we're not we're mentally ascending, but we're not saying, okay, it, because it's hitting, an, it's hitting an unbelief set point in us. Does that make sense? And if you're believing for something that is kind of bigger than you, sometimes that's the case, all right? You know, but what do you do? What do you do in those cases? Does anybody got a guess? Ha- keep on seeing. You keep on seeing, okay? So why does it matter how it feels? Does how it feels make it less true? Just because it feels unbelievable, does that mean it's actually impossible? It doesn't mean it's impossible. So just keep on seeing it. Keep on seeing it. You know what? Let's invite Holy Spirit into it. Lord, okay? So I see it, but it seems unbelievable. And you might even want to ask him, why does it seem so unbelievable? I know for me, what I'm seeing, it's not, it feels unbelievable because it's been an issue for so long. Right? So you've lived longer with it being an issue, so it just feels like, okay, okay. So, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you do with that? Okay, well, I, you know, I just heard... Release the past to me. So you, you see with him is my point. You see with him. See, I think that was why it was so cool that I really do believe it was a Holy Spirit-inspired imagination. I don't believe that I made up the, I'm walking in the garden nine months pregnant with grapes. See, we think, oh, we're just making this up. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that that's not a Holy Spirit-inspired imagination? If you've prayed, Lord, enlighten the eyes of my understanding... Well, let's just believe he did. How about we just believe that he did? And so whatever you're seeing is being Holy Spirit inspired. And then guess what? My point is, is that Jesus showed up in the garden. So why don't we just go ahead and ask Jesus Jesus to show up in whatever we're seeing? Because at first, 
Let's just keep seeing for a second because um, see, here's the other thing. I just want to. I was trying to see. A lot of times we bring what we're like. We'll see something, and then we get our mind around. We try to get our mind around it. You know. And we do these um, as part of the Emerge School of Transformation, and we do these, um, we call them Rethink Rapid Mind Renewal Sessions. I call it that because I want people that don't know the Lord to be able to be open to the ministry. And if I called it Supernatural Mind Renewal, they might just think that was too Christian-y. But that's really what it is. It's a Supernatural Mind Renewal Session. But it's also just a two-hour facilitated encounter with God. And we do these sessions, and we see all kinds of breakthrough. I mean, people come out of addictions. People get over all kinds of trauma. And then just honestly, it, it, just let's not talk about the brokenness side of things. People upgrade their ability to receive new levels of, of wealth, new levels in their business. I mean, we have done sessions with entrepreneurs and stuff that just had a history of, you know, financial failure and bankruptcy. We'd bring them in there so that they could deal with the cycles of failure so that they could break out of those cycles of failure. I mean, so all kinds of unbelief, basically. It deals with unbelief supernaturally. How? Through encounters with God. Because the Holy Spirit knows where you first believe that lie, right? And we do sometimes work with it, for example, that are people that are um, working through healing stuff. Because sometimes, I mean... People have been programmed through their childhood and past experiences. Maybe they had a, maybe they had a parent pass away, or maybe they had whatever. But you know what I'm saying? There's tremendous. There's things in their past. I mean, you don't know how many people I know that like we had a particular person who, you know, had two family members die of ALS. Well, ALS is not a genetically passed down disease. Three people in the family. You know what I'm saying? So it's coming another. It's not coming through genetics. Now, I know they don't have a specific reason of why we know that disease exists, but I can tell you as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so sometimes we'll have these sessions to help people just uh, deal with the death image, deal with these, you know, where you believe death is more powerful than Jesus. And you work through those things. But anyway, in these sessions, when we train our facilitators and we work through their whole methodology around this, it's powerful stuff, we basically teach them because Jesus is the counselor. Jesus is the healer. This is not a counseling session. You're not sitting down with a human being getting therapy, right? No, this is a facilitated encounter. And so we teach our facilitators that every single thing that you're doing in these sessions has to be dependent upon the Lord. So if they, for example, a lot of times people will see, will see things. Well, I see the Lord showing me, maybe he's bringing me back to a memory when I was 11 years old and da-da-da-da-da-da. Or he's showing me this kind of picture of this vision of something. And then they'll look at the facilitator. What, what does that mean? Like the facilitator is supposed to know what it means. I mean, the facilitator didn't give it to you. Holy Spirit gave it to you. But the, see, that's what we do. We see something from the Lord, and then we immediately try to interpret it. We get out our dream book and look for symbols. Water, water means, you know, rather than just going back to the Holy Spirit and interacting with him in it. So when you're seeing, when you hit that unbelief, it's no different than kind of in a session. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm feeling a barrier to being able to even receive this or see this. What do you want to do? What do you want to tell me? And that's really all we do. We just redirect it. Well, Holy Spirit, why are you showing this person this particular image? Unpack that for them, Holy Spirit. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, well now, you know, and it'll just begin to continue the communication. Because, see, it's about dependency upon God. We're not just working spiritual principles here, although these are totally spiritual principles. This is about 
This is no different than blind Bartimaeus going up to Jesus and answering the question, what do you want? We're having a conversation with God. We're having an ongoing conversation with God. We are having an ongoing movie night with God in the realm of our imagination. We're, 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 I mean, it was awesome walking in heaven with Jesus, eating grapes. Like, so, I mean, a lot of times, if you're believing for something that, that seems to be there's a lot of strongholds involved in that, or you're seeing something, and there's a lot of unbelief that's coming up in that, you know what, you just need to spend some time really probably on the floor, <laughs> you know, just like this. On your back, close your eyes, and let, let the Holy Spirit take you on a journey that will transform your mind. Hey, I can't lay down there very long. I'll go on a journey. Yeah, you know, and if you don't, if that, does, if that seems strange to you, well, you know what, just, you could have been in church for 50 years and never heard any of this stuff. I, I mean, I was in church for a really long time before I ever even saw a miracle. I grew up in church every single Sunday. I went to a, a call, a Baptist call. I mean, we never saw miracles. We weren't taught how to hear from God. We weren't taught how to use our spiritual senses. We weren't taught these things. And this is basic, basic, basic Christianity. The just shall live by faith. This is basic. This is not advanced. Right? This is the first thing, one of the first things that we should learn is how to communicate with God. We're having a relationship with someone who's invisible. We're having a relationship with someone who we can't sit down and, you know, invite to Starbucks. I mean, we can, but we're going to have to use some eyes that we haven't been trained how to use. You know, and I remember almost being upset when I finally figured this out. I mean, I remember when I first met people that talked to God just like they were talking to me. I thought, these, you know, I thought if you were talking to God like that, you needed a straitjacket. Like, I really thought that meant you need to be locked up. You have mental issues. And then I started realizing, wait, this is actually normal. I'm abnormal. I'm the one that's abnormal here. I mean, everybody in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, they were communicating with God. Adam and Eve are still talking to God after the fall. They hid from him. He didn't hide from them. And so we even have unbelief around our ability to communicate with God. And it's as easy as thinking. It's as easy as imagining. Right? And I've had to learn over the years that this is not make-believe. I've seen too many miracles that have come out of non seemingly non-spectacular. I mean, yes, the one with the gum and stuff, that was a little spectacular. But I've seen just as many dramatic healings with nothing more than just a picture of a, a body part, like an imagination that comes into your head, ear, you know, kidney. You, you don't even, if you're careful, you don't even, you, you, don't, you think it's you because he's talking in your thoughts. He's using your imagination. And so you think you could just discount it. But when I've acted on it and said, okay, I'm just going to believe that wasn't me, right? So your assignment for this week Kind of, we've been building each week, but same kind of assignment. First thing you got to answer is that question, what do you want? Okay, now that you know what you want, then you got to see it. And when you see it, you need to really interact with that. 
especially if there's unbelief involved or it feels unreal or it feels like, you know, it's a stronghold. Right? So stick with that. Holy Spirit, talk with Holy Spirit. Let him guide you through that. And, and spend time, honestly, I, this is a word, just spend time, quiet time on the floor or on your bed, but somewhere you're not going to fall asleep, really. But just visualizing and soaking and just spending time letting that vision establish itself in your heart and replace the image that you've been living out of. And if you're standing for someone else, same thing. And it is biblical to stand for someone else, right? You know, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times. I mean, even most of what I do is standing for the destinies and the promises for other people, you know. And so seeing others is powerful. It's absolutely powerful. You, you visualize. And I, I told the, I think I told the testimony. I can't remember when I told it, but I'll, t- I'll share a couple here. But, you know, it, there's a, a testimony of someone who had a daughter who was, I mean, on drugs. I mean, she was out working the streets, selling her body to buy drugs. And this mother was completely beside herself, totally distraught, and came and asked for prayer. And this was David Yonghee Cho again. And David Yonghee Cho said, you know, and of course when she explains the problem, you know, she's explaining it all from the place of, it's just a super negative, unbelieving place. And uh, Pastor Cho just said, can you see your daughter healed? Can you see your daughter through the blood of Jesus? Can you see her righteous and holy and worshiping God? Can you see her as she is truly from God's perspective? And, you know, it was hard. They had to work through that a little bit, you know? I forgive her, da-da-da-da-da, work through that a little bit. But then she saw it. She had a vision of the cross and the vision of the just this, this daughter totally holy, garbed in white, you know, clothed in white garments, totally forgiven, totally healed, totally delivered. And then they agreed. They agreed for that. They, they agreed this is her daughter. It wasn't even a week till the daughter shows up the door, knocks on the door, comes back home, repents. And now, I mean, the whole story was then she, I mean, she had ended up in ministry, this whole thing. So standing for other people, seeing them the way God is showing you them, regardless of how they're acting, is who we are called to be. We are not a called to get an agreement with versions of people, right, that are temporary. Because the move of God, well, he'll use your faith. He will use your faith to transform someone else's life. Isn't that awesome? See, that's why love always believes the best. Because that's faith. Oh, we want to gossip. We want to, yeah, we want to talk about things so badly, you know. But the godly way, the God's way is you call things that be not as though they are and you see others. Not the way they're acting. The way God designed them. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this homework that we, we're partnering with you. We're partnering with you to see heaven manifest. We're partnering with you to see what Jesus purchased manifest in our lives. Lord, we want to spend our inheritance. We don't want to have an inheritance and then never never even access it. We don't want you to die in vain. 
we don't want you to have suffered and uh, endured the cross and, and gone through everything that you went through, Jesus, without there being a manifestation in our lives. And so, Father, we just ask for grace. We ask for grace to believe, grace to see, grace to overcome unbelief, grace to receive, grace to stay focused, grace to take our thoughts captive, just grace, Lord, to see and just have it, just to see it till we have it. And uh, we just receive it. We declare that it's done. We declare that we are seeing it. We declare that we are in faith. We declare that unbelief has been shattered and broken. And that, Father, we have an upgraded view, an upgraded image in our hearts that is in agreement with what you've shown us. And we call it done. In Jesus' name. Amen?